Some call it insight. Others call it vision. At Pershing, we call it perspective. A perspective you'll benefit from, from a custodian you can rely on. One who can help navigate the big picture and whose products give you a competitive edge. One who considers everything. What will help you succeed today and tomorrow? Open yourself to a new perspective and open the possibilities. Consider everything. BNY Mellon Pershing. Learn more at pershing.com slash go independent. Pershing Advisor Solutions, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich Butler, and if this is your first time checking out an episode, first of all, welcome. Second of all, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with entrepreneurs, content creators, and just kick-ass folks that are on our radar and share the gadgets, gear, and technology that they use to create their content run their businesses, and just make their day-to-day work a little bit easier. When it comes to toys, it's not just relegated to action figures and things of that nature. We embrace a broader definition here with people having different kinds of toys at their disposal, whether it's cars, guns, knives, etc. You'd be surprised what people consider toys, and we embrace that broad definition very, very much on this show. Um, Before we get into this week's guest... I did want to get some housekeeping items out of the way. First of all, um, we were on hiatus for much of July because we had released two back-to-back episodes, plus I had some travel and some other things going on, which made a uh, publishing a little bit difficult. But we're back to our regular programming schedule going forward for the month of August, which is bi-weekly releases on Wednesdays as of right now. So uh, every other Wednesday, there will be a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade. Uh, I did want to mention that I know some of you were really digging the Q&A episodes. So if you want to see more of those, definitely let me know and we'll start building up questions for a future installment. Uh, for those of you that have asked if we're going to do another audio style gift guide, uh, I've been kicking some ideas back and forth. I was going to do something for back to school, but I don't know if too many people are really going to give a shit about that. But who knows? Maybe we'll save it and do something, obviously, for the holidays, which is when we did our last our last gift guide. We'll see what happens. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that Rageworks is celebrating its five year anniversary on August 18th. Uh, it's been five years. They went by super fast from when we transitioned from my take radio to the Rageworks brand. Uh, it's been an amazing journey. Uh, the website has grown tremendously. And of course, the podcast network and its origin uh, is tied directly to Rageworks. So uh, one of the things we will be doing is we will be revising the site uh, and making some changes to it. So Rageworks 5.0 will be debuting on August 18th. We'll probably be taking out taking the site off of offline for a few days just to make some changes and some style edits, etc. So be on the lookout for that. But in addition, we will be launching the Rageworks Network website, which is going to be the hub for all of our shows going forward, including this one. Uh, you'll be able to go to the Rageworks Network site to access all the shows going forward. And 
it's just a, an easier option versus just going to rageworks.net. And even though we put the shows there, some people couldn't find them, etc. And uh, the best thing out of it all is obviously the growth of the network has led to uh, the necessity for it to have its own home, which I think is just better overall, especially because there's minimal crossover uh, in terms of our written content on the site, minus uh, the the toys and the tech that that we cover on the site that tie into the show. We don't cover wrestling on the site anymore. We don't cover MMA. So are some of the shows on the network that that re- that you know cover that content? There's really no crossover with some of the stuff we cover on the web. So it made the transition to form a new site a no brainer uh that site like i said will be launching on august 18th along with rageworks 5.0 i really can't wait to show you guys uh both of the sites and i'm really hoping that uh you guys check them out and enjoy them as much as we enjoyed putting them together for you all right with that housekeeping out of the way a little bit about this week's guest uh my guest is photographer jason laboy uh jason has been a staple in the convention scene, taking some amazing images over the last few years. In addition to that, he put me onto the Vero uh, social media platform, which I checked out. And um, the other thing that really resonated with me is the fitness journey that Jason has been on, uh, which he details quite a bit during the interview. Uh, Just super inspirational that uh, he went and he transformed his body. He took some adversity that he was going through, channeled that energy into some uh, an amazing physical transformation. I'm excited to share that story with you guys, as well as the toys and tech of Jason's trade. So without any further ado, let's turn it over to Jason and hear his story. My guest this week is event photographer and all around jack of all trades when it comes to the photo game jason laboy who whose work you've probably seen at numerous conventions including ace con new york comic-con and a slew of others he's actually taking time out of his schedule after doing an amazing 90-day transformation to sit down chop it up with us and share the toys and tech of his trade jason what's going on my friend not much. How about you, brother? I'm good, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to to really sit down and chop it up with us. As as I said before, with the mics went live. You know, I've been following your work for quite some time, and I always want to support, especially fellow New Yorkers, fellow creatives that are out there doing what they're doing. And your story really resonated with me because you're immersed in the comic book and and gaming culture, much like myself. You're a fellow New Yorker, and you know you've been hitting the gym hard lately and I want to get into that story and I wanted to share just everything that you've been doing with our audience because it's just it's just so great I mean I, I, I'll i go as far as saying that you actually your work actually inspired me to sign up for Vero and get a Vero account well that's good to hear that, yeah yeah definitely, yeah definitely when this goes live I'm going to share that with them so they could uh they could hear that yeah so <clears throat> I jumped in I remember um before we get into the story, I'll just add that little personal anecdote. You um, you had just started promoting the platform, and you were saying, like, hey, I'm putting all my stuff there. My images come out better. It's higher resolution. It's great. You guys should check it out. And I said, well, damn, you know, I'm putting stuff out there from some of the events we go to and some of the content we cover. I'm like, all right, let me go in there and mess with it. And I signed up for it, and I shared some stuff. And, you know, like anything else, just trying to 
to juggle a bunch of social media accounts, but you definitely were the uh, the Kickstarter for me to jump into uh, into Vero. So RageWorks is on Vero for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a great platform. It's just unfortunate. It's the best way to describe it. It's like it's the Matrix. You know, um, Instagram and Facebook, they're the matrix. They yep. basically have everything on lockdown. And it's, it's, it is difficult uh, managing multiple social media accounts. I completely understand because I myself, you know, there's multiple accounts I have to sit there and post and share to where I prefer. I'd rather just share with just one account. Yep. <clears throat> and the reason why I signed up with Vero was I'm a huge um, Zack Schneider fan. And when he quit. Twitter and he just kept all his work exclusively to Vero. I was like, all right, so the only way I could get my Zack Snyder fix is to go to this uh, platform. And then the more I started to use it, I started to realize, like, wait a second, like, <clears throat> I don't need no third party app to resize my photo to share it. You know, I could just share the photo right away. Yep. Or, you know, the videos, I don't have to compress them in, in such a way that they look all grainy and choppy. And then I was like, wow, this is not, you know, this is a really good platform. So the more I started using it, the more I just started like supporting it. And, you know, the owners took notice and they reached out to me and they said, hey, you know, we love the work that you do in the cosplay scene. You know, we would like you to be part of this. And I was like, sure, absolutely. I- I'm-, I'm totally down for it. <clears throat> well, the thing about it is. And then from there they gave. Mm-hmm. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Yeah. What I was going to say was that the thing about it is after I started following you, I saw Zach was on there. I started following him and, you know, keeping up to when, when, you know, he was working on his films and working on the DC stuff. And I said to myself, you know, the platform is exactly that. I really liked the simplicity and just not exactly what you said, not having to resize, not having to worry about the videos and compression and this thing and that thing or the other thing. But like anything else, it's always such an uphill climb, especially when you want to, you know, go in the schoolyard and punch the biggest bully in the face. You know, you're fighting Instagram, you're fighting the, the Facebook juggernaut, you're kind of fighting Snapchat to it to an to an extent. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy, yeah, but it's, it's it's totally true. Yeah, it is. It's true because it's again, it's there's this um there's this book that I read last. I forget the author's name. I know his name is Jason, I believe. <clears throat> and it was like uh, ten signs to delete your social media account. And in the book, he has former engineers who worked for Facebook talk about how that they program their users to become addicted to the platform. And That's every insane. time I say Facebook and Instagram and uh, uh, WhatsApp, anything that's Facebook owned, whenever those platforms go down, to me, I feel those are just calculated attacks to keep the users addicted to the platform. 100%. You know, I, I like that you said it, that because... Yeah. Because recently, you know, Facebook had that outage and Instagram and they were making memes out of it that Thanos wiped out half of Facebook, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because at least five or ten people I know personally were like, oh, now that Facebook and Instagram are down, how are you going to share your memes and all your stuff? And I'm just like, oh, my God, you know, and it's funny because growing up, especially, you know, being an 80s and 80s and 90s kid, it's like listen, you go outside, you pick up the phone, you do what you got to do. Now you can, you can barely get by without somebody DMing you. And it's the same person that has your phone number that, that doesn't want to text. It's, it's, it's so crazy. Yeah, it is. And and that's, that's the really the sad part about it, how, you know, it works. And, and, 
And I find it odd. If you remember the last outage, it happened to do with something that was another Facebook orientated app that they just had. Like apparently, like five million people signed up at once, and it caused them to crash. Which I call BS because I'm saying to myself, how can how can a a network with billions of users logged in at once crash because five million users signed up? Now I could understand. Where Vero crashed when they had their big surge, yep. their servers weren't ready for 1.5 million users to sign up in 24 hours. Facebook is built for that. So 100%. for their platform to, to 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 suffer such a network failure like that, I, I just to me it's just all programming to keep you entrapped in the matrix and keep you addicted to the program to ensure you you know that you stay on it. Because remember, Facebook makes their money. When you're on the platform, constantly using it, and then they're data mining all your info, and you're getting tons of advertisements popping up over and over and over. You know, it, the the craziest part of that is it's funny where, you know, I can be having a conversation with you, and we can be talking about, I don't know, golf balls, and we didn't use search on our phone, we didn't do anything, but yet you're on Facebook and you get an ad for golf balls. <laughs> Absolutely. And I go, yeah, I go, listen, that, man. That's why, yeah. I'm like something's going on. Yeah, you my know? microphones. Yeah, oh yeah, my microphones are completely off for all those apps. They're all off for that reason. Yep. Like now, yes, I do. I do a lot of searches. So, how you mentioned earlier, I've been on this fitness journey. I get a lot of fitness um, advertisements popping up. Sometimes they're annoying. Sometimes you know they've actually been beneficial. Like for example, um, one time scrolling through Instagram, I get an uh, an advertisement for a. Uh, uh, a workout bar called the X bar and it was on sale for $50. So I look at it. It's like, okay, it's shaped like an easy bar. So if anybody who's gone to the gym, you, you know what an easy bar is shaped like it's yep. not a straight um, barbell. It has slight curves to it to help with your, um, your, your wrist grips. <clears throat> so I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, this looks pretty cool. Then I start looking at videos. And I'm like, wow, it, it's just like an easy bar <clears throat> at the same exact time. It had two, uh, two pieces that you could keep it elevated off the ground to use it for a push-up. So therefore your wrists are not flat. So therefore you're getting a much more effective push-up. And then you have the elastic bands to do all these routines. I was like, wow, that's, that sounds great. And then it was, <laughs> it was on sale for $50. So I jumped on it, bought it for $50 and originally it sells for one fifty. So I was like, Oh wow. That's one of the rare times where an advertisement worked out for me. But overall, yeah, it's, it's crazy how you could, do one search, and next thing you know, you get thousands of advertisements popping up about this and that. And like, wow, I just just looked at this once, and already I'm getting bombarded with that. But again, that's how they make their money. Once they went public, you know, they have to make their money somehow. And like I said, I feel all these outages are just all calculated attacks to keep users constantly, you know, using the platform. Yeah, I've I've most of the time I automate a lot of our social because I just can't. You know, to your point, like I just can't juggle it all. So I put everything through buffer and and I just Mm -hmm. have all my content just go out sporadically just because it becomes the only thing that I update personally is like my personal Instagram, you know, and even that is to is to only share like certain things or share like photos of my daughter uh, with certain Mm -hmm. people who I'm just not connected with. But, yeah, man, I I'm with you on that 100 percent. Now, I want to I want to backtrack a bit because I want to I want to get into you know how you got into photography because i know if we go down the social media rabbit hole we could we could probably do a separate episode just for that <laughs> oh yeah absolutely 
but um, you know, you're you're uh, you're 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 from the Bronx, uh, much like yours truly. I was actually born in the Bronx in Lincoln Hospital, and um, lived there till I was about fifteen. So you know, definitely, definitely a little connection there. But the the interesting thing was, you were talking about, um, you know, as I was doing my research, that you would you were actually a baseball player and an athlete, and then you got into photography. And then you wanted to go and become a pro ball player. So you kind of moved away from photography. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because that's it's not every day that you hear that somebody, uh, you know, jumps into a passion, then puts that passion on hold and then jumps back into it, you know, shortly after. Well, I'm glad you did the research. Yeah. And yeah, you you actually you you know, you got it right. Um, so I was born uh, 79. So I'll be turning 40 this year. I started out you know, um, collecting baseball cards. And back then the baseball, you know, baseball cards was huge. That was our version of social media, our 100%. way of interacting with other friends. You got a pack of baseball cards. So like different years, tops will have something different. So I remember this one year they had, uh, the baseball cards that they were actually and you had to buy the photo book. And then from there, uh, you would get the, the player and then you would place that player where they were at, at their respective position. The following year, they came out with this special card that was an actual record player. You put the card inside the record player, and then you would play, and then the athlete's voice would play. But then what annoyed me was every time it came to my favorite players at the time was like Darryl Strawberry, Gary Carter from like the Mets in the 80s. They had the most generic lame poses possible. And I'm like, wow, like I wish I could take an action pose and get these players freezed like how they were when they were actually playing. So that's where the passion for photography kicked in. And then then rolled around to the 90s. Um, Ken Griffey Jr. was my favorite player. Being able to go to um, Yankee Stadium, I borrowed my father's um, SLR with uh, his telephoto lens, purchased a bunch of rolls of film, and just started photographing Griffey. And then I with my own baseball cards with uh, the prints I would have. And as you mentioned, then from there, I started playing um, organized baseball myself, then to the point that I actually got scouted and I had a private tryout for the New York Mets. Wow. And so at that point, I started veering away. Yeah, I started veering away because I realized, well, I will have a better opportunity, you know, playing sports and getting myself than I would, you know, for talk. So I gave my try at baseball. Uh, when I got to summer league I was playing at in um, Pennsylvania, it was my confidence level wasn't there so therefore i didn't perform at all so basically i like i blew then um first child was about to be born and the you know give my hopes on baseball and focusing on being a father and taking care of my child's responsibility right next thing you know let's forward so you mentioned video games i was part of a community called which was called the fighting which is the fighting game community not very big they um they have tournaments for Street Fighter, combat, and things of nature. So I went into that community for photography. Let me document the same exact way I documented. Because, I mean, technically, it was a sport. Absolutely. I grew a passion for it. I received, yeah, I received awards for it. And then from it turned on me. And I just decided I needed to get away from toxic behavior. And I used to get press badges from the website that I used to work for, which was eventhubs.com. And then I would go to New York Comic Con to ensure that I still got my credentials. I would photograph all the cosplayers that were main characters. So like Lee, Ryu, 
uh, Mortal Kombat, and then next thing you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, wow, this is pretty cool. I'm looking at characters like Superman, Batman, and like these people are fantastic. That's when I started getting to the cosplay scene, and then photography just became action again because now I'm photographing things that I enjoy. I, I go to a cool convention, I believe it was 2005. 2005, I photographed the event. One, it was an ugly venue. It's in the Pennsylvania Hotel in New York. Oh, yeah. So if you ever heard of the convention, it's called Big Ass. Oh, I know it's, it all too well. It's a terrible convention. <laughs> Sweat your ass off in mm-hmm. there. So, but what I did was, yeah, absolutely. But what I did was studying photography as much as I did, that I could do something different in that venue. So I just used a single light and a softbox, changed my settings so that the background go to black, only the cosplayer would be highlighted and taking the shots and all the cosplayers they just started lining up and lining up uh find out like a couple weeks later there's a this magazine called cosplay culture magazine they said submit your images so i take the risk and say, all right you know submit the image within 15 minutes i got a phone call from the editor saying i want to buy your images what he said yeah i sent four photographers there to photograph the event they all came back and they said the event was terrible I showed them your images, <clears throat> and they were just blown away. And that's how like my um my career in the cosplay started. And then just overall, just shooting, you know, after that, I've always had a goal. So one thing about me with sports it was always goal-orientated. So it was like, okay, I can't be the fastest player on the team, which I was, but, or if I can't be the most strongest, what can I do better than somebody else? So I always set a goal for myself to motivate myself. So when I got into the cosplay scene, I said, I don't just want to be a person that just shoots cosplayers and just do and does this with all their time and get nothing from it. I want something from this. I want to be able to shoot these events because that's where the money's at. Not shooting the cosplayers, but shooting the events for the organizers. And then from there, I just kept marketing myself, pushing it. And then that's when I just continued to grow within the scene because of that drive for it. You've, and now, mm-hmm. you've taken some 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 amazing photos. I think one of my favorites is your um the Frank Miller style Batman with the Kerry Kelly Robin. That's right. a mm-hmm. that's a that's a favorite of mine. It actually uses that technique you were talking about with the black background leveraging it with right. a single light. And the thing about that is that and and this is a great teachable moment for our listeners. You took a a, a venue which we all know, especially if you're in New York, is just not conducive. It, it's not conducive to go to the event, much less be able to get good actionable amazing photography and you made the most out of that and i think that's partially because you you have a great eye which which you can see in all the photos and you really know how to accentuate a lot of the cosplayer strengths you know i've seen some of the great images that you've done and the thing that always trips me out is that you bring a different dynamic because anybody can say hey do this action pose and you snap a photo but you add your own little creative spin on it whether it's it's the you know the color profile you're using or the lighting so you know, to, to see it just evolve over the course of time and especially coming from the fighting game community, which we know has its, you know, its fair share of, of pros and cons and going into this. And not only that, but still staying passionate about your stuff too. Cause I know you were, you're a, you're a big DC guy and, mm-hmm. and still being able to live that culture is pretty damn awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with the beauty about photography is, is that it's subjective. So, to me, I always say there is no right or wrong way because we all see things differently. We all have different takes overall. 
the only time I say things are done right and wrong is when um, you you tend to over edit and you do things that I feel are they're just not normal. Like I feel like Photoshop is a good tool, but I feel some people overuse it. And then they, for example, like since coming from film, I've always known you got that's it. You can't manipulate much and things of that nature. So I like to keep things very natural right. and lifelike. The only time I really would use it is like, for example, if I'm shooting Star Wars characters, then that's fine because you have to add a lightsaber and laser blasts and things of that nature. But if I'm going to shoot a, a cosplayer, I want to keep it as uh, practical as, as humanly possible. You know, like I'm going to find a dark, dirty, dirty alley, which I'm great at, where there's piss in the corner, feces, rats running around. It's going to feel very authentic in the shot where other photographers have a cosplayer they're standing in front of a green screen, take the shot, pose, and that's it. And then spending like an hour or two composing this whole shot. And then the cosplayer will see, it's like, oh, well, that's a really cool shot. Whereas opposed to my shot, the cosplayer will remember the entire photo shoot because they will remember the location. They will remember the time spent there, the heat, the smell, the, yep. the struggle just to get the shot done. Like I, I've had shoots where one of the, uh, one, one of my first biggest shoots is when I first started getting to the scene. Uh, New York Comic Con had this one year where they had like New York Comic Con Special Edition. Yep. Which was a mid-year con in June. Yep, by the so docks. So I knew a bunch of my friends. Were, yeah, exactly. And it was just terrible. Yep. So I remember a bunch of my friends were all coming in from different states. And I told them, I said, hey, let's have a really big photo shoot after the convention. I know a few locations we can shoot at and let's shoot. And let me tell you, these guys and, and, and girls were troopers. We were shooting until 3 a.m. in wow. Brooklyn that night. I mean, we shot for hours. But at that time, to me, they were our, our, my best images I had to date. And I mean, they, they were fantastic. We shot now in a nice snap. Then we went to Brooklyn, I, um, uh, the Brooklyn Bridge, and then I shot them with Manhattan as backdrop, but then I shot with a 70 to 200 millimeter lens zoomed in completely so that the city felt like it was right on top of the cosplayers. And what I mean by that is, um, so to get technical lenses, each lens, um, they all have different focal lengths, but they all have different properties of how they work. So wide angle lenses tend to give you more of a larger view, but by nature, those lenses tend to push things away. When you have a telephoto lens, as you zoom in, you get what's called image compression. So the back of the the background of the image gets squashed in closer. So therefore, that's how you're able to um, in those shots you're able to bring the city closer to the cosplayers. Had I shot it with like a um, what's conventional twenty four to seventy millimeter lens, the city would appear so far off it, it wouldn't have that same dynamic. And I have those images up on my website. So I'll definitely um, share the link with you so, you know, your viewers um, could click on it and then see exactly what I mean by how they'll see the Freedom Towers like nearly, it, it appears like it's no more than 100 feet from the cosplayer when actuality, the uh, Hudson River is between the cosplayer and Manhattan. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's tremendous. I mean, that's that's one of those things. And it's one thing I've, I've you know, when you were talking about going around and using the environment. I think that's one of the better uh, facets of, of what you do is that you make 
the environment, the co-star along with the cosplayer. I mean, you know, you were talking about special edition and when you, you think about that area down there, it's very industrial, very, very grimy, but it's also very heavily traffic. You know, it's a heavy traffic area with vehicles and a mm-hmm. lot of driving, but not a lot of foot traffic. So it's like, it's a gift and a curse because you could find decent areas to shoot in, but there's always distractions, ambient noise, people driving by. So the fact that you're able to capture so many impressive images here in, in New York City and make New York just as much of a star as as the cosplayers is tremendous. Well, when you think about it, most of these comic books or these movies are set in a city atmosphere. Yep. So the city always complements the, uh, the 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 star in a sense, and that's how that's again that's how I work. Like for example, um, the first Teenage Mutant and Ninja Turtles movie, which is a is a classic. And everybody who has seen it will tell you they prefer that film with their practical effects over the CGI that they have now. Yep. Because yep. one, everything worked well with each other. You know, you had the, the, the actors and the stuntmen in the costumes and the animatronics um, motorizing the eyes, the lips and the face, but then also just the environment itself. You see this theme, you see... You see the, the, the moisture on the walls. You see the grime on the streets. And that was what the comic is all about. Same for Tim Burton's Batman. You know, it's dark. It's, it's grimy. And if you, I mean, if you think about it, Tim Burton, in a sense, reinvented Batman, where the comic started to follow what Tim Burton did with Batman. Because before 100%. that, he was just the blue, the, the, the gray and blue tights to where now I went to a darker color tone. And, and and of that nature and it just birthed this whole new batman that had this more grittier style like frank miller had the dark knight which came out prior to that but i, I still feel tim burton was more responsible for um batman's evolution than than what any comic book did well he also burton also made sure to to add a lot of viciousness to both sides of the coin because even batman batman and Bruce Wayne sometimes especially in the in the first film you it, it wasn't a matter of Bruce Wayne dressing up as Batman Tim Burton always made it seem like it was Batman dressing up as Bruce Wayne right like there was always yeah. that quiet intensity and I think that was a big part of of what translated and I'm actually glad you mentioned that translated into the books because even after Jack Nicholson's Joker which was you know, a far departure from the happy at the happy go lucky Cesar Romero Joker from the 60s show. Right. You know, the Joker even upped the ante then. Like, like we started seeing like more vicious, uh, really crazy murder from the Joker in the books. It was like, all right, we're going to just turn up the turn up the fire. And I think that uh, to your point, and I agree, Tim Burton's Batman definitely was the match for that. Yeah, it's it's just again, it's you know, it all comes down to this whole thing about art there. Sometimes, you know, like I mentioned, there's right or wrong or it's subjective and, you know, you could play with it to see what works best for you. And what, what Tim Burton did was magical because at the time, superhero films weren't doing great. Like you had the uh, the Christopher Reeve Superman that did well. But then yep. after Superman three and four superhero films died, then the Batman film came out, then you had the reemergence. Then families got upset because the Batman film was just too dark and, and, and violent. So then now you have Batman's Return, which kind of toned it down a bit. And then you have Warner Brothers going to Tim Burton for the third film, telling him, listen, we need you to really tone it down. 
And Burton was, you know, he stuck to his guns and said, I'm not going to do that. Nope. I'm not going to do this film. And then he left. And then Michael Keaton followed right along with him. And that's when they added Val Kilmore. And then it turned to this real colorful, which I believe was, was it Jerry Bruckheimer? Uh, Joe Schumacher. Joe Schumacher. Yeah. Yep. And then it just turned into this, this joke of what it was. And then, yeah, it just went sour. And then it took a while for Batman to get reinvented again by Christopher Nolan. So, you know, it's, it's all art. It's all subjective, but we could definitely go on and on about (laughs) that as well. Well, the, the thing about it is that when you look at that and you look at that evolution, you know, even even photography has evolved so much because if you think about it, you know, when 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 I was researching for this interview, you were talking about borrowing your dad's Nikon, his 35 millimeter and going out and shooting on film. And mm-hmm. now everyone has a camera and everyone's a quote unquote photographer. And I wanted to ask you about that because as somebody who's kind of been much like myself and, and some of our audience if you think about it, we're in a generation where we got to see the death of the A-track, the birth of the CD, the birth of the cassette, the birth of the video cassette, the death of video cassette, laser discs, CDs. So we're in that area where we actually got to see the rise and fall of this stuff. But to to hear you talking about using film and then obviously the medium has evolved so much. Where where do you stand with that in terms of just the evolution of the medium? Do you always feel that that film still gives like the truest representation of the image or do you keep just go with the flow and have adapted your style as the, as the technology has evolved? Um, that's, that's a good way of putting it. I, since I shot film, I love the look of what film looks like. Right. So I tend to edit my images with a, a very film look. So the, there'll there'll be a warmness about them. There'll be a, a, a color tone there or a fade that's similar to a film. Pre, uh, so, for example, like I, I edit in Lightroom, and I tend to use um I have have over a thousand something presets. I keep purchasing presets whenever I can because I like to. I don't like to use the same look all the time for every image because I feel you're robbing the image of its look. I feel the image should dictate the story on where you want it to go instead of applying the same look for every image. And so I tend to go with a very um, film type look because I just like tones that film has overall. But yes, digital does have its advantages that are very, very useful. For example, in this day and age of um, digital media, you know, Twitter, Facebook and all that other stuff, you have to be um, things are very, very quick which is why print has just all of a sudden just died because for the fact that, you know, when something happens in sports, it's already on, you know, the news or highlights, it's on Twitter. Sports Illustrated back then, prior to all of this, was your staple of how you got your news. Like 100%. what happened, what happened, what was amazing happened last week, you got to see in the issue in the following week where now you see it instantly with on Twitter. So digital has its pros and cons where it's able to get things out to people quickly, but at the same exact time, it also has this curse where it's given people a very short attention span where they don't look at images and where the the phrase was a picture's worth a thousand words. Now they don't look at an image and they don't have a thousand words. Now they have four or five words. They go, oh, okay. And then they move on, you know, where you have some of these, these classic images of like, uh, Muhammad Ali, I, I forget who he knocked out in the image. And it's a black and white image. Yep. 
and it's almost perfect. I believe it's perfectly timed where Ali looks like he's just taunting him while he's looking down on him. Those images are timeless, and that was shot on film, but they resonate for such a long time because it forces the user to really look at it and just take it all in. And now in today's day and age, that doesn't happen, especially with, like I said, with Instagram and social media where you're constantly, you just people see swiping, swiping, swiping. People don't really look at an image. And with these algorithms and, and things like that, you know, it's very discouraging to photographers and, and cosplayers or models where you work so hard on an image. And when you put it out there and you're expecting some type of love or reception from it, it gets almost a lukewarm reaction. You're like, wow, why is that not getting right. what I thought would be the most attention where I'm taking this silly selfie, grainy, terrible, and it's getting all the love. So it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's a gift and a curse in its own way. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate, but I mean, I still own a 35 millimeter SLR. Um, I just have to purchase a, a lens for it because the lenses that our digital cameras sometimes are not compatible with SLRs. Right. So I have to go back, purchase an older lens and start shooting film again because you program, like for example, so now my DSLR, I program it so that my screen does not preview an image after I take a shot. Nice. Because chimping. Exactly. (laughs) Because the way I learned was that if you take your shot, that's it. It's done. So I trust my instincts to know that, okay, I'll take my test shot. I know what my settings are. So I know, okay, if I'm looking at my light meter inside and if it's saying I'm a bit underexposed, okay, then I'm going to have to open up my shutter a little bit more or my aperture. Or if it's overexposed, I'm going to have to raise my shutter speed or close my aperture and then take my shots instead of taking a shot, chimping. And the next, you know, oh, my God, I just missed another shot in that whole process. 100%. Do you do you are you um, for the film camera? Are you still um, going with Nikon like what your dad used? Uh, no, uh, it's a, it's a Canon. Oh, okay. That, um, yeah, it's a Canon. It's a, it's a very popular body and, um, he still had it, the Nikon that he has. It's just badly, it's in a very bad shape overall. And I think he had had, he kept the lens mounted and then it bent the frame. Oh, geez. So it would have just, it would have been no point to try to, uh, pay for the cost to repair it. So he still had a Canon, a, a Canon. I think it's an A1. E, I believe it's called. It's a very popular camera. Uh, one of the very first um, cameras that had a built-in light meter inside. So he was like, hey, you could use this. And I was like, perfect. I'm going to buy the lens. I'm going to get the battery. And now I can go back and start buying film again and then just take the shot and just worry later what it looks like. You know, just trust my judgment. You know, and another thing that I do to um, train myself and program myself. So when I, when I got back into photography, I took classes again. So my instructors would say, treat it like film. You set your ISO to one ISO. You could only shoot your ISO for, for one day at that one speed. You can't change it at all. You have to change your shutter or your aperture, but you can't chimp. Next day, sh- set your shutter speed and only change your ISO one stop up. And then now you have to change your aperture. So it was always things that I constantly, um, with those training that I did to myself. So when I go out and about, I'm like, okay, I'm going to treat my digital camera as if it's a film camera in a sense. I think that's a great approach because it forces you to also adapt. I think, you know, as, as somebody who is doing more photography for, 
my website and everything else. Um, I remember a, a friend of mine was like, listen, man, just buy a prime lens. And I was like, yeah, but you can't zoom. And he said to me, you can zoom. It's called your feet. Yeah, your feet, yeah, you move in and out. Yep, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, damn, you know, and I remember, I think I had bought, uh, I, I think it was a, like an old Sony body, and then I had got a Minolta glass to mm-hmm. start with, and I remember I got a 50 millimeter Minolta, I think it was a 1.2 or 1.8, and then I just learned with that little by little, and don't get me wrong, I'm still, uh, I'm I'm no pro by any stretch, I mean, a lot of time I still shoot in auto, but um. But still, you know, I respect the process enough that sometimes I'll just throw a 50 millimeter lens on my camera and just go out and the shot is the shot. You know, it is what it yeah. is. You either get it or you don't. Yeah. And I feel that term pro gets thrown around too much. Right. And like what 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 really qualifies as a pro in a sense of photography? You know, I, I that's a question that I, I've always asked, you know, when they when someone tells me where well, you're a professional photographer and I, I would say. I'm to a me, photographer. <laughs> I mean, I'm a photographer, but to me, like, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm very goal orientated. So when they say, Oh, you made it, you made it. It's like, I don't feel I've made anything. I feel I've made it until my images grace the pages of, um, Vanity Fair. Right. Um, Ellie magazine magazines that even though in this day and age of digital technology are iconic, are, are iconic and still featured in every newsstand every supermarket possible when my image graces those pages that's when i feel i'm a professional there you go you know have i shot celebrities and athletes yes i have but to me that that's my goal i feel just to have my image in print and that magazine will be like be an accomplishment like when my images were first printed in cosplay culture i was ecstatic i'm like wow you know here i am one of the first probably the first freelance cosplay photographer that had his images printed because all the other um, photographers for cosplay culture magazine at the time were all um photographers that shot for other magazine for other magazines from the same publisher so they were either like tattoo magazines or adult theme magazines and then they just went to a convention and shot it and then they came back and they printed where i was the actual cosplay photographer within the scene that got the chance. So, you know, that meant a lot to me. But again, it was the fact that it was printed. You know, and then after that, I was like, okay, I got I accomplished that. What's next for me? So again, it was all right, what are the what's hired in cosplay culture magazine? Oh, well, there you go. You have Ellie, Vanity Fair, GQ, Men's Health. Getting my images in those those publications to me would say would qualify me as a pro. Gotcha. I, I I respect that. And you know what it is like when I when I say that to people like your your photography, your you do it as a profession. You know, me going and, and, and shooting a picture of some toys at Toy Fair. I'm just a, I, I guess the term I want to use is a hobbyist versus a, a, a professional, because even even in your even in your case, you know, your your artwork the way that you do things, you're, you're paid for that. You know, you receive, you receive money for that because that's what you're good at. That's what your, that's what your mastery is. And again, you, I respect and I admire the fact that you compete against yourself because that's that iron sharpens iron and there's nobody better to compete against than, than yourself, you know? And I think that, that wanting that, 
that that validity of seeing your your images in Time Magazine or Nat Geo or L or or any of these magazines. I think that's that's a hell of a goal, man. <laughs> you know, but it, it, on the subject of that, I I know you had received an award um, from Walter Day and for for photography when you were covering fighting games. How did that feel? Because again, for someone who competes against himself, that's a that's a damn that's a damn good accomplishment. It, it truly was, and, and I remember when I received the email. I, to be honest, I thought it was a joke because at the time, Walter Day was affiliated with a um, group called Empire Arcadia. Oh, which okay. Happened to, yep. Which happened to which happened to be our rivals at the time with my group, which was um, DMG. So I figured there was just some like a catfish type thing. Like they made up a fake Walter Day account and he's reaching out to me. And then, you know, oh, we got you. Haha, Evil Empire one ups DMG again. And so the more I got um, talking to Walter, you know, I I told him, I said, listen, I don't feel I'm the best person to receive this award because I just got into the scene and I don't want there to be any animosity or things of that nature. And he said, no, I want your images. And I'm like, "Uh, I, you know, I just feel there's still other people more deserving that, again, that have been doing it longer than I have. And I feel they should uh, be acknowledged for it. Again, he did not budge. He was uh, steadfast with his decision. So eventually I was like, fine, okay, you know, I'll use my images for your trading card series, which he did. And I got huge pushback from the community. Really? And, oh, yeah. Terrible pushback from the community. I mean, it, one in one particular instance, I found out that a fellow photographer who was a very close friend of mine actually reached out to Walter Day and told him he felt other people were more deserving than I was. And I thought that was such a, yeah, I thought that was such a huge um, stab in the back for him to do that because little did he know, I already told Walter, I prefer someone else to receive this war, but yet you went behind my back and told him that to try to take this accolade from me. So, and then from there, you know, just more members of the community were like, oh, he didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve it. Because again, I was just in the scene for maybe like a year and a half where these other photographers were already in it for two, three years invested. And then I leapfrogged them. So they took it as, oh, you know, again, I'm taking an opportunity from them. And yeah, it was it was just bad. I was so happy when I left the community. Like I, I have great memories from it. I've met some great people for, uh, for it and, and it rekindled my passion for photography. But it was a it was a wake up call to see how um, corrupt things could be when um you know awards and accolades get thrown around. Seriously, especially because you were you were trying you were downplaying it yourself, and that's the thing too. It wasn't like you were taking the ball and running with it. You were like, hey man, you know, like like you sure it's gonna be me? I I respect that man. I think that's the right way to do things. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, again, you know, people want to the crabs in the bucket, you know, you one person tries to get out and everybody Mm -hmm. tries to pull you down. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. And then, you know, so it was okay. He didn't deserve it. Then when they came out, all these cards are pathetic. They look so generic. They look like a five year old could have done it. So it was just always constantly Mm -hmm. something negative that for something that I, I would I would assume for me would be something that was so positive. All I, all I heard or received from it was negativity. And I was like, oh, this is just not something I want to be associated with. Like, like this is not how it should be. And yeah, I, at that point, I just slowly backed out of the scene. And then one day I just stopped showing up. I did not show up to any more um, events. 
I stopped filming player interviews. I stopped doing uh, uh, fight pad reviews, controller, um, arcade stick reviews, game reviews, headset reviews. I just stopped. I just walked away from it. I said, this is not worth it because here I am trying to do something good for the community, but also build myself. And all I'm getting in return is just negativity back. So I'm like, you know what? Let somebody else do it and let them deal with it. I, I, I don't have time for this. Well, on on that subject, I do I do want to talk about. I know recently you had said that you were stepping away also from doing a lot of the event photography as well, and you've had a, a ton of iconic images. I mean, one of you know, I think one of the best uh, memorable ones that jumps out was when Justice League came out, and you had pictures with you know all of the cast together, and you know you had the the the, the trademark the crowd behind the celebrity at the convention, which is always a nice shot. And how was that for you? Especially because you were a Zach's, you know, you're a Zach, you, you love Zack Snyder's work. You're seeing him, his project come to life. And here you are woven into the fabric of that by covering these events. Yeah. So with, so the, the justice league, I actually wasn't able to get that crowd shot because that was ACE's first uh, convention. Right. And they were worried that the, uh, the agents were going to have an issue with it. Really? Because yeah, because uh, what happens in some cases, the agents they uh you they have to give approval as to what images have to go on social media. Wow! So they were very worried new. that um the agents were not going to approve of the shot, and so they decided we're not going to do it, even though they saw my prior images from the Marvel booth, right? You know, with the Black Panther and 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 all these other celebrities from San Diego Comic Con, so they loved it, but they was like they were just they didn't want to uh you know stir stir the pot in a sense wow so mm-hmm. but then the following ace which was in arizona just a month later we had a much bigger venue a huge crowds and our very first panel which was one of the biggest panels was chris evans um anthony mackney sebastian stan so i go up and i get on the stage prior to the panel even taking place and i take I take a shot of the audience and i go back to the um the production team the the head of um human resources, social media, and everything. And I showed them image. And I said, I want you to envision right now the three actors standing right here with their back to the audience. And then you just see this sea of people. And then you share this on social media. And then everybody says, says to themselves, damn, why am I not there? Yep. So they, so they said, you know what? Go ahead, do it. Um, we'll share it with the, uh, the, the agents later and see what they say. So when it came time, I got up on that stage. I got to tell Chris Evans, Anthony Mackey, you know, Sebastian Sam posed for me. I take the shot. When I take the shot, I see it. I go back to the owner. Well, not the owner. First, I go to the head of marketing. Uh, she sees the image. She's like, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> let's see what the agents say. But she said, first, let's show it to the owner. So we go and we show it to the owner. Soon as he sees the image, he says, run it. I don't care what the agents say. Wow. Because when this, he says, because when this hits social media, and the buzz comes back overwhelmingly positive, they're going to see nothing but dollar signs because then they're going to realize fans are going to say, damn, I wish I was there. And from that point on, my ace, uh, my my signature shot, which is that crowd shot, yep. has now been the staple of Ace Comic Con right. as well as, as the Marvel booth. Um, in terms of backing away from, from conventions, I'm backing away from um, Comic Con conventions because I've done it for nearly five years now and it's very taxing and i just i just want to break from it overall right. I, I just you know unless i'm hired 
you know what, there's other things I want to do. Because the problem with these conventions is, is that you go, so if it's an out-of-state convention and it takes place in a hotel, you go from the hotel to the convention floor, back to the hotel. Right. Rinse and repeat. <clears throat> you know what? That gets very boring. I'm 100%. not a drinker. I've, I've never drank in my life. So going out and partying afterwards is not on the agenda for me, you know, because I'm shooting the entire day. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I just want to lay down, edit some images and get ready to do my job the very next day again. And, and it was just, you know, it's become taxing. And I just feel like there's there's more to life than just sitting at these convention centers doing the same thing over and over and over. Right. It was like Groundhog Day, huh? Exactly. Just about. And and at the same exact time, uh, my time in the in the scene kind of soured with uh, an afford, with a breakup with uh, a cosplayer, which put me on the path to uh, fitness as well. So I'm like, you know what? Let me just not go to the conventions anymore because one, I won't have to see this person anymore. Right. And two, I don't have to deal with the overall stress of the convention scene and and the repetitiveness. So it was just, it was a bunch of things that were a combination of saying, okay, I need to get away from this. You know, now's a good time. And let me, you know, recharge my batteries and focus on something else. I think, I think that, that, that approach. And, and again, going back to what you were saying before, just always chasing that next challenge. You know, I, it's actually a great segue into your, your fitness journey. You know, you, you said that you got into fitness after hitting a rough patch um, mm-hmm. you know, relationship wise. And if I remember correctly, somebody said, you know, why don't you join the gym? You know, and next thing you know, you're in there and you double down and here we are. You're, you're a completely different human being than when you started, especially, you know, when you share the before and after. And I want to talk about that because at the end of the day, you know, we can talk about all the tech and all the gear that you use for your photography and w- we'll address that. But you're, you know, if you don't take care of the machine that is you, None of nothing else matters, you know. Correct. So, and, talk mm-hmm. talk me through that. Talk me through that that realization and how how you you know how that first day for the gy- at the gym was for you. What'd you do first? Well, uh, as you mentioned, yes. Yeah. So so there was the breakup, and then I remember that day at work. I was I I, I was just at a loss for words. I, I was like, wow, what you know, and and rightfully so. I deserved the breakup. I was not. Technically, it wasn't a breakup. We weren't officially together, but we were seeing each other. Right. You know, and just a realization where, oh, my God, now I wanted to be with this person, but the person no longer wanted to be with me kind of hit me hard. And I was like, damn, I just threw this away. Right. So I'm my, my worst enemy is my mind. I, I think things way too deeply. And so I remember I was just break not breaking down, but I was just, I felt anxiety and depression hitting me. And I was like, damn, man, what do I do? The walls were closing, huh? Yeah, exactly. And my coworker was like, well, just go to the gym. I was like, ah, oh, I don't know, man. I haven't done that in 20 years, man. When I played sports, like, you know what, you know, when you see athletes retire from sports, they get fat because they're tired of working out all right. the time. So he's like, well, he's like, look, man, it's a great way to get away from it. I think you should really look into it so you know i thought about it and so i ended up actually leaving work early that day because again the walls like you said the walls just kept closing in on me and it was yeah it was definitely definitely uh taking its toll on me so i woke up that um i woke up that morning on the saturday which was april 7th 
And his uh, voice kept playing in my head, join the gym, join the gym, join the gym. He said, trust me, it's, it's going to be beneficial for you. I, I promise you. So I said, you know what? I went, I walked over to the Planet Fitness, which is a couple blocks from me. I signed up for the Black Card membership, which would allow me to use any Planet Fitness um, in the city. And since I live in Brooklyn and my daughter lives in the Bronx, I could be able to go to the Bronx, take care of her, but still go to a gym there. So I signed up for it. Went on the treadmill. I ran for about half an hour. Okay, not bad. Went the very next day. Ran for another hour. It's like, okay, you know. <laughs> I was getting athlete. in the groove. I, I, I could do this, you know. So then Monday I go to work. I'm talking to him. And I'm like, yeah, I did. I joined. He's like, good. So I'm like, yeah. So I was running. And, and then, then from there, that's when the competition part started again. Because he's uh, 26. So he's much younger than me. He's already in the gym. So he's telling me the times he had. And I'm saying to myself, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like, no, wait, I could be his time. Oh, so then man. I started, so, so I started looking at, okay, what's the average mile for someone nearing 40? And they said uh, one mile in 10 minutes. I'm like, okay. So I was looking at my two minute, uh, my two mile runs and I had started off, I was at 28 miles. I mean, 28 minutes. So I said to myself, okay, my goal is I want to get it to 20 minutes by next week. And then the week after that, I want to get it under 20 minutes. So next thing you know, I'm in the gym every morning. I'm running on that treadmill, pushing myself to beat that time. And sure enough, after the second week, I got under a 20 minute mile for my, uh, for the two miles. Then he's like, all right. Oh, he's like, damn, you're beating me. I was like, come on, youngin, what's wrong with you? Like you got a fresh leg. So now he's coming back the next day, his time. Is five seconds uh, faster than mine. So now, and then from there, it just it just started picking up, and then the bug came in. Then from there, I'm started looking at routines, and I was like, all right. So now, again, with always being goal oriented, I set goals. So I said to myself, all right, I want to get to 200 pounds. Actually, no way. Before that, there was an event I was photographing for um, this hotel. The person I was seeing was supposed to be part of it, so I was working hard for to make a certain weight purchase a tuxedo had it tailored and everything in hopes that she would be there <clears throat> in my way of kind of like winning her back uh-huh <laughs> so she could see all this progress she didn't end up going but i still end up going and making great connections and end up you know building a relationship with the owners of the hotel which now they hire me to shoot their special events After that happened, I said, okay, so now what's my next goal? My goal was always, all right, let me get to 200 pounds. That was always the main goal, get to 200 pounds. And I just started little by little looking at what what works, what's not. So the keto diet, do I want to do the keto diet? No, I saw the pros and cons about it. You know, a lot of of trainers were saying it's a short-term goal resolution. Don't do it. You know, if you're going to do things, do things the right way. You could still have carbs, uh, healthy carbs, smart carbs, not, you know, cutting it out all completely. Because as soon as you get back on carbs again, your body's just going to start storing it and you're going to balloon again. Absolutely. So then from there, it's just, just again, with all things, you, you go back to your basic fundamentals and you do your, you study and you research instead of just doing whatever. <clears throat> so I just kept looking at all these uh, different fitness channels and all these trainers. And then they all start saying the same exact things, which are basically the core principle uh, fundamentals of working out. And then you yep. just start applying that to yourself. So I'm like, all right. So instead of buying this guy's routine, that's like $50, let me look up something. I found 
four, uh, two free routines on men's fitness. So one was a uh, four weeks beginner guide, which I started that in April. June, uh, May was a four week, I think it's called arterial split workout, which was six days. I did that. And then for the third month's workout, a friend of mine gave me a regiment that his trainer had for him. So then I started doing that. But when I started working out again, I kept saying to myself, I got to get to a certain weight. So, which is crazy, as you mentioned earlier, I, today I shared my before and after image and it's overwhelmingly um, positive, which I'm very ha happy about because every day since I started working out, I would, I film myself going to the gym right. or at the time taking pictures of what I was going to do. And I felt that was a way of holding myself accountable. But at the same exact time, I was like, you know what, maybe I can inspire somebody else. And then they could be my competition via social media as well. And actually one, one other um, user actually challenged me on the elliptical. So they set a time, not a time, but a calorie burn in a time frame. And they was like, all right, you have to beat this. And I was like, oh, okay. So at the time, <laughs> I, believe, I believe he burned 523 calories in 30 minutes Wow! on the elliptical. And I was like, wow, that was pretty impressive because i was at, i think i was like 490 or 515 so i was like okay now i gotta beat this guy's time not time but his calorie burn well it's safe to say now i could burn if i don't slow down at all i could do 595 calories in 30 minutes on the elliptical wow. but i do a, but i do a cool down and i'm somewhere between the range of four six five sixty five to five seventy five so he was like, yeah, I'm never going to beat your time because he said, I can't push the elliptical to the level that you're going at. And I'm like, thank you for motivating me. <laughs> That's what's up, man. And mm -hmm. what you obviously what you've been doing at this point is you've been using different splits. Are you are you mixing and matching, meaning that you're doing like, let's say, weights Monday, Wednesday, Friday and cardio every day? Or are you doing cardio uh, three days a week and weights two days a week. How how are you structuring your splits? Because obviously, you know, you're you're a family man. You're running all over the place. You're super busy. How are you structuring that? Uh, I so these routines all called for. You know, some days have cardio, some days don't have cardio. I have not missed a day of cardio. All right. So once like today, I've received tons of messages. What is it that you did? What's your routine? And some listen. It's you have to understand. The results I got is because I basically became immense, uh, submerged in all of this. Yep, like you became I, your worst I, enemy. I dived into this and this was my life. And yep. it still is. So uh, as I mentioned, I started off doing the treadmill. And after the treadmill, then I would go to weights. Then I would end doing an elliptical run. And I started noticing that I was getting more of a calorie burn on the elliptical, but less strain on my legs than I yep. were on the treadmill. Low so, then I just stood, <clears throat> so then I stood with the elliptical and I was like, okay, wait a second. I could raise the level. Now I'm getting more of a burn overall. So now everything's just been strictly on the elliptical. <clears throat> After that, I would start my routine with the elliptical back to weights and with the elliptical again. And I, to a point where I got so comfortable was I was burning over 1,100 calories alone on the elliptical a day. Wow. Then doing my weights. That's in insane. Between the, yeah. So I was burning like 500 plus for my first run. 
hit the weights, and then another 500 plus, then go to work. <clears throat> and how long were you in the gym for? Uh, 90 minutes? Uh, yeah, just about. Like in the beginning, it was like maybe like 90 minutes to two hours. And then from there, it's just gradually been increasing in time that I spend in the gym where now I'm in the gym for about three and a half hours a day for the past three weeks. Okay. <clears throat> and, you know, now my intake, I changed my, my diet. So now my, my intake, so when you're burning all of that and then you start consuming again, you're still at a deficit. Yep, definitely. So if I'm burning nearly 1,800 calories and I'm only consuming 15 to 1,700, my body's still at a deficit. And the rule of weight loss is that you have to burn more yep. than you consume. So now I'm just burning weight rapidly where there was one point, I haven't shared the image yet, I will, where it's uh, three images. It's when um, it's the same two images that I have now, the before and after, but then I have this middle period where I took the picture in June, which is called the skinny fat stage, Yep. where you've burned so much fat, but there's no muscle there. You're skinny, but you still look flabby because the skin hasn't shrunk yet to show the muscle. Yep, it's like Christian Bale and the machinist. <clears throat> exactly. And that's when I started doing the uh, intermittent fasting. Yep. Where I was only I'm only eating from the hours between of one and eight. Nice. Which which I'm basically causing the body to go into shock and use fat as energy reserves, which then that now that started cutting down on the body weight. And when I look at the picture, it's only so from the middle image to uh, at the time, I took the middle image was June 7th, and then at the time with my my after image was uh, June 25th. Within that 20, that span of 20 something days, you could see my skin shrink and my muscle tone grow within that time frame because now I'm adding heavier weights. I'm doing harder cardio, and I'm keeping my intake very low. And now my body is consuming the fat to maintain itself. How are you handling meal prep? Uh, well, the good thing about my job is that they have a healthy living section. So I would purchase, um, I, well, I still do. I purchase grilled salmon for lunch. And since I'm really cool with the chefs there, he gives me two pieces. Then I go to the salad bar, stuff it with spinach, yep. uh, broccoli, carrots, cucumbers, a little bit of French dressing. And then I still pay the price of the salmon, but not having to pay the price of adding all the greens. Gotcha. Then I have, then I have water with it. <clears throat> then I have natural peanut butter with uh, a couple slices of wheat bread. And that's my lunch. And then I don't have until dinner, which on some occasions would be a uh, grilled chicken salad, or maybe another couple slices of um, peanut butter. And then I go to sleep, then do the process all over again. And you're sleeping a full eight hours too, right? Yeah, full eight hours. Mm -hmm. That's what's up. Yeah, because I see sometimes you'll be like up oh, for you know four a.m. in the gym, five a.m. in the gym, and I'm like, I'm like, well, shit, you know, when when we when we had to reschedule this interview, you're like, yo, I fell out, and I'm like, oh, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, I was like, like again, like right now, I'm way past my bedtime, as they say, because normally I'm laying in bed at eight o'clock and maybe sound asleep by eight thirty, but then I end up waking up again at midnight. To, to urinate because again it just consuming so much water yep, yep. <clears throat> i'll end up staying up for like maybe 30 minutes then end up falling back asleep again <clears throat> but it's did like you said, add any it, supplementation into into the into your regimen a lot of protein okay so the uh optimum um whey protein so on some case so i have my uh my over 40 grams post-workout right 
then I would take a container with me with two scoops. And then sometimes I would have some for lunch. And then recently I started having two scoops for dinner to help uh, build mass and uh, re-energize the muscles for the next day's workout as well. That's what's up, man. You've I haven't it. been... Yeah, I haven't gotten into the pills and the supplements yet. Which- no, you don't have to, man. I think that the best <laughs> supplement and and I, I, you know, speaking from experience, is always food. The, mm-hmm. Even even me, you know, I just I actually turned uh, thirty nine on the on the twenty fifth. So it's funny on June twenty fifth. So oh, uh, happy belated. <laughs> thank you. So you know, it's it's funny you say that. The only thing I've added is just because you know I've been a uh, you know I was a powerlifter since I was in in high school, and I've always um. You know, I added now that I'm getting a little older, just some fish oil and some turmeric, mm-hmm. but that, but nothing else, man. Just, yeah, you know, some protein here and there and the rest is food, man. And I've been, I've been great for it. Like the only other thing probably that I've added is vitamin D3 because we don't get enough of it because we're not in the yes. sun. Yeah. That's something but, uh, I just read recently as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's just because it's like, you know, if I if I lived in Puerto Rico or any place where where I was out in the sun twenty four seven, but you know, once it's winter here in New York, nobody's going out nowhere. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. So so you know, I try to I try to do that. I try to go out in the morning and you know do some yard work or maybe jump rope outside and get a little sun because that's that's something that I that I know for a fact I'm probably gonna deficient in. But but yeah, man, you don't need any pills. Everybody always tries to get that get rich quick scheme. Oh. It's, take this pill, use this, use it. it's like, it's like, listen, man, guys, our ancestors and old school powerlifters and old school bodybuilders did it with just food. <laughs> yeah. exactly. And, and what I feel sometimes what happens, like I, I remember reading a report with like this whole emergency, like use emergency boost or things to that nature. It, it sometimes is probably just a placebo effect. Yep. hundred percent. Like that thousand milligrams isn't doing anything for your system overall so sometimes it's just like well you know maybe the fish oils do have a benefit in a sense but sometimes it's just placebo effect where you're taking like yeah okay i am feeling better because you're you're you once like for example as soon as you you know you're feeling sick and you go to the doctor's office and the doctor tells you what it is yep you, you feel better you walk, when you leave <laughs> walk out the doc- yeah you walk out the doctor's office and you're already feeling better without taking any medication and yep. then as soon as you start taking the medication I'm feeling a hundred times better because it's, it's a placebo effect. But I, I, with what you're saying with, with the vitamin D, yes, I actually uh, have been reading about the fact that vitamin D is very important overall. Once we start getting to this age, because it helps with our bones as well. Hell yeah! But then also the fish oil, which is something that um, I definitely have to look into as well. <clears throat> so that's something I'm definitely going to uh, uh, look into getting next. And yeah, that's just, I I did also purchase another supplement from One Up where it was like a pre workout type mix. Yep. But then I started reading uh, a lot of things about it where it was basically like if you as soon as you start taking it you see you have to run to the restroom because you start having diarrhea. Yep. Or you get really panicky because basically it's just yeah like it has a, caffeine a boost of caffeine. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. A lot of that pre workout so, stuff is exactly that. It, it it makes you jittery. It does all this stuff and it, and and it's like. The, the best pre-workout and, and, and I hate it because I'm not a person that, that drink, you know, it's like you just black coffee. You know what I mean? Coffee's a bean. Mm-hmm. It's natural. You drink it. You're off to the races. 
and don't get me wrong coffee will send you to right. the bathroom too but but yeah like pre-workout man all that stuff like it's it's all gimmicks at this point man like like and i've fallen victim to it too when i was younger and i was like really hitting the gym hard like oh, i'm gonna try this pre-workout and you get all wired up and then you go in there and you kill yourself and it's just like then your body crashes and you feel like garbage yeah and and the funny thing is i purchased it i started reading more up on it and i have yet to use it I didn't use a single scoop of this mix. And I'm like, I just wasted money on it. But I'm like, you know what? I'd rather have wasted the money than feel crappy using it. Because the last thing you want to do is take that, run to the gym. Because one, I use compressive tights. So I don't have underwears underneath it. Right. Because the tights are already compressive tights. Right. I don't want to have to run and take crap right after that. And then... You know, you start working out and, oh, my God, I didn't wipe everything yep. out. What the fuck is that smell? Nope, it's but true. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's not cool. So I just like, yeah, I'm not going to take this at all. I'll just run my ass off on the elliptical. I'll get my heart rate racing. That's it. I'll feel 100 times better. And then I'll just push through with the rest of my workout. Now, in in relation to, to this huge change, obviously, you know, it's made it, it's definitely, I'm sure, made you more productive to cover events. You're probably moving faster. You're being able to do more stuff. You're feeling more energized. And and more importantly, you're not getting that that post con, the post con plague. Right. Yeah. So so one thing I've always been plagued with, like chronic back pain. And I remember um, there in my sporting days, I remember the, a family I was staying with, kind of like the movie Summer Catch with Freddie Prince Jr. Yep. <laughs> I did the same exact thing. I stood with a family in small town, USA. I played baseball and the, the father of the household is a physical therapist. And he told me, he said, you know, your core is not strong enough, which is why you're having a lot of back pain because it's pulling your stomach forward and your back is at a position where it's not naturally supposed to be. Since I've started these workouts, my back pain has been almost non-existent. That's what's up. And I actually, uh, in the before and after picture, I show the picture of my back. And it honestly, if you don't see my face, you will believe that there are two different people yep. in that image. Because in the one image, my back is all Yep, your posture was flabby. off. Yeah. And then the next image, my back is all ripped. And I'm like, wow, that's insane. Yep, your posture. Posture mm-hmm. took a, a, a huge change from that, man. That transformation, like I said, it's inspiring. Anybody who doesn't read that and feel fired up, he, he, you're not doing it right. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's like, every, you know, again, I received so many messages like, what did you do? And I tell them, I said, listen, it's you just have to commit to it. I'm like, if you want results like this, you got to put in an effort that I put in. I'm like, I, again, who wants to burn 1,100 calories and cardio alone every day for six days, for 30 days, I mean, for an entire month, you know? I'm like, and then even with those 1,100 just on cardio, you're burning probably another four or 500 when you're doing the weights on top of that. Damn right. And then you're doing the intermediate fasting. So I, I kept it where I was like, even on weekends, I still didn't have breakfast. So now imagine waking up on a Saturday morning and you've been used to eating breakfast for your entire life and like, oh, no, wait, I can't eat until 1 p.m. Yep. Now you have to go through this entire morning period drinking just water to get to the point where, OK, OK, it's 1 p.m. All right, let me eat something. It, it's it's not easy. It's not easy. But again, I just dedicated my life to it. And I still am like yesterday was the 90th day. I could have said to myself this Monday morning, oh, I'm going to take a break. 
No, I was nope. up at four o'clock in the morning doing the same exact routine all over. I burned 570 something calories on the elliptical, went, did my chest, shoulder, abdominal, tricep, dip, chest fly, uh, pull back, leg raises, knee raises, and then I went home. That's oh, what's up. And, and, and Russian twist See, with a 25 pound weight. That's every day. That's how it's done, my friend. I think I think that that right there is a uh, is how is how people should should draw inspiration from it, man, and make their own make their own challenges. And who knows, maybe maybe the people that hear this may want to reach out and test their times with you on on the elliptical. <laughs> oh man, I I would be glad to share. You know, my my high if if something like that, like I think my highest burn that I have recorded is probably five eighty or five seventy nine. Uh, with the elliptical 30 minute run and that in itself like i'm telling you it is difficult because i'm starting at level 19 and i'm ending at 11 level 21 wow for the final two minutes in a sprint so i'm basically pumping my arms and my legs like an animal for those five final two minutes and i'm telling you your chest is on fire your legs are on fire your arms start to feel like spaghetti noodles pushing through but it's it's like that old saying like you see the finish line you give your all to get to it 100 you know, if you stumble off of the the machine afterwards so be it but you gave your all at that moment are you are you tracking any of this are you using like my fitness pal or anything like that to track your meals or track yeah your... i i was using uh my plate okay and it's uh it's um from live strong so if anyone remembers uh, Livestrong, they were associated with Lance Armstrong before he eventually was found out to be a blood doper. Yep. But it's a, an amazing app where, you know, um, I, I had a couple other apps prior to that. But then again, algorithms came through and one of the few times that actually worked, my plate came up. So I was giving it a look. And so I downloaded it, was adding the things. I was like, okay, it's like, what's your goal? I said, all right, well, my goal is 200. Excuse me. It told me what my calorie intake should be. And then from there, it also broke down what my macro levels should be. It's like, oh, oh, that's pretty good because I didn't need a separate app to count my macros. It was already all there. And then it, it would give you meals that you could also have as well or a recipe. But with it being affiliated with Livestrong, when you register your email, now you're getting uh, buy daily or daily emails with great articles for fitness. So like, what are the best protein bars to buy? Some good routines to do if you're always sitting at your desk or uh, vitamins to take or if you're suffering uh, from chronic pain. What to and, and I just found it to be such a fantastic app. But now since I've reached my goal weight and now that I, I'm basically consuming the same exact thing that I do every day anyway, I very rarely use the app because I'm like, all right, I know I'm not exceeding my calorie intake because I put on the app, I want to maintain my weight. So my calorie intake is bumped up to, I think, 3,400, I believe it is. And I'm not even, I'm, no, I'm not consuming nowhere, anywhere near that. If anything, I'm consuming at most 2,500, but I'm already burning a thousand with my, my morning workout. So I'm That's at a 1,500. Huge difference. Yeah. So I'm still at 1,500 that I'm consuming because all I'm having again is my protein uh, mix for the morning. <clears throat> Then for lunch, the grilled salmon with uh, three peanut butter sandwiches, just uh, not two breads, but one bread fold in half. And then from there, now I started adding um, these protein bars to get extra protein. 
Now, when I get home, I'm having tuna or uh, tuna and peanut butter, and then that's it. That's that's my meals. Damn, you've got it down to a science, man. I'm like I said, I I usually just track like with my fitness pal that I had done keto for a while, so I was using a a carb tracking app. So mm-hmm. you know, I I definitely I definitely empathize. I you know, you go through and you experiment with different things, man. I think um you know at at, at this at this stage of the game, man, you know, you've done an incredible transformation in ninety days. You have you have my respect, man. That's a hell of an accomplishment. And you know, it's one of the things that you know. Looking forward to seeing what where you, where you take it to next. You know. Oh yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's again. It's I, I say it all the time. It's not easy. There's been many days where I have woken up and I said to myself, "I need to sleep." But I said to my, and then I, I remind myself, "Why am I doing this?" One, yep. it's I have a goal. Two, and it, it may sound cynical of me, but it's like I want to prove someone wrong. Nothing wrong with that at all. Like, even though that person is no longer in the picture, I'm still using them as a motivational tool to say, I'm going to prove them wrong. And they're going to see eventually that, wow, yeah, I was a douchebag. If they just gave a little more time, they would have seen that, yes, there was change there. But you know what? I'm actually happy. Like I said, I'm actually happy they did what they did because I would have never gone through this transformation had it not been for them pushing me off of the cliff. That's it. There's no such thing as failures, only lessons. Right. So had she accepted me and took me back, I still would have been 260 pounds. Wow. Still feeling lethargic, saying, hey, let's go eat out, have pizza, lasagna, and all this other stuff. And I would not have gotten to this level now where I'm far more confident in myself. I feel better health-wise. I'm making better decisions overall. And, 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 Chemical wise in my brain, I'm more balanced because my body's not addicted to sugar and salt as it once was. Because as soon as you stop consuming those things, you get it, you go into mood swings because sugar is as dick as as addictive as cocaine. Right. And you so also when, you also went to a to a therapist also, right, during this entire journey? <clears throat> yeah. So during during it as well, I signed up for a therapist and you know, I so when I first signed up, I was like, okay, you know, it's going to be old school. I'm going to go to the, their their office, sit down, sit on the, on the couch. couch. Yep. Yeah, no, this one's this is actually modern technology. We were having live chats. Oh. I'm having it. Yeah, I'm having it in the comfort of my home. That's what's up. And we're just talking to the screen. And you know, the first two were kind of like awkward because it's like, oh, you're talking to someone on the screen. But then from there, you know, the conversations just started opening up. You know. With, with with each um session and then i found myself just like wow like looking forward to meeting with my therapist to talk about you know just just things that i held on to you know I, I basically i was walking my whole life with an anchor behind me and with every step the anchor just kept getting deeper and deeper and pulling more gravel behind it and i never really cleared that anchor from me and with with her help she was able to help me overcome a lot of that negativity that I, I just kept on me, you know, so I had the weight on my shoulders and with the anchor and then with the workout, it was just so many things that put me in a path for enlightenment to better myself overall. So I always said, I, I, I made these changes both physically and mentally. And like I said, my mind state right now is in a far different uh, area than it, than it was three months ago where Three months ago, I was having suicidal thoughts. To now, I'm like, I can't look. I can't wait to the very next day. What What's next? 
in a sense. That's inspiring, <clears throat> man. That's that's phenomenal. And I'm and I'm glad you shared that with us, man. Yeah, it's it, you know, there's nothing to be shy about. You know, we all have dark times. There's, you know, we we all want to be valued by somebody, you know, regardless if it's our employer, our friends, our partners, whatever the case may be. It's just it's just human nature to want to to feel appreciated in a sense. And when you don't feel that, you start to feel down on yourself and you say to yourself, wow, am I, am I really that important? Am I important? Is there any worth to me? And that's why I kind of like, in a sense, you know, I felt kind of worthless, but now I'm like, I don't feel that way any longer. You know, now I feel comfortable in my skin. You feel I look, fired up. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, I, people are telling me like, dude, you don't look nowhere near 40. You look so much younger now because you worked out and now, Again, my body's cleansed itself of all these toxics where I'm not having, where my my drug of choice was Arizona iced tea. I had maybe three cans of Arizona iced tea every day. Wow. Look at the sugar content in a can of Arizona iced tea. It's yep. insane. Absolutely. Then on weekends, my, my weekends basically cons, uh, consisted of a two liter of Mountain Dew, Ooh. Little Caesar pizza. Or Chinese food every weekend with wow. a two liter piece. Now imagine just consuming this over and over and over. And then now again, that's constant sugar. And now you cut that out. Now you have to deal with the, 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 the withdrawals of addiction from the sugar. That's right. That's some scary stuff. And, and, I, and I'm sure, you know, oh, you know it in, is. in the back of your mind, you realize that, you know, you're doing this also because obviously you want to live longer to be around your kids, you know, just be there. You know, we we don't want to be statistics, especially as parents. You know, it's like it feels like more and more people die are dying younger. You know, yeah, and it's so true. And it's like, and then and then what happens is when you become when you become so health conscious, that now you start looking around, and it's not 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 that not that you're judging other people, but you're saying to yourself, I know that I know what state they're in. Yep, because I let myself slip like that. And if only they had a little spark, a little bit of motivation to, to, to get them on the right path. Like, like today, when I said in my, my stories, I said, if anybody who was following me over the last, last 90 days to this whole journey, if I was able to spark one person to give forth the same effort that I gave, then all of this was worth it. Not just for myself, but for the fact that I know I paid it forward because now that person We'll do the same exact thing. And then from there, you just have your domino effect. You know, I got many people who said, oh, you inspired me. And, I, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm like, well, don't tell me. Yep. Tell yourself. Damn right. Or not just don't say it at all. Go and do it. That's right. Well, I, and then I'm like, and then I just take a, a gift of Yoda and I send that to them. <laughs> and then they see it. And it's basically, you know, do or do not. There is there no try. There is no try. That's right. You must do it in order to get it done. Like it's not an easy road. Believe me, my my forearms are killing me from tennis elbow, from doing you know bench presses, doing flat and then incline, and then going over to the to the um, barbells and then doing shoulder routines and then doing the easy bar uh, bicep curls and then doing uh, again chest. It's just I'm in pain, but you know what? There's a reward. To That's right. It. I look better than I ever have before. And, you know, the, the proof is in the picture, you know, and I would love to for somebody to say, oh, that's Photoshop. It's like, OK, well, here's a video of me working out without <laughs> my shirt. 
There's there no go. green screen there, buddy. There's no mocap. That's me. That's I'm just it. waiting for that one comment from one troll to say that. So I could just <laughs> put it out there. I say, you, you, like, you see that separation in the chest? That's my pecs working very hard to maintain a very um, proper form when doing bicep curls, you know? That's right. <laughs> I think um, I think that's a, that's a hell of a way to take us into into the hot seat. Um, which for those of you that don't know, is a series of rapid fire questions where we go through some of the, some of the items we've discussed and a couple of other things as well. Um, the first one, obviously, you know, uh, given photography, your, your, your photography background, what are you shooting with now? Uh, I shoot with the Nikon D810, the Fuji X-T2, and I still have my, uh, Nikon D7100 which barely gets any love, but it's just there just in case if uh, things go bad with the other camera. What's your favorite lens to shoot with? I hate those questions. <laughs> I hate them because it's like, as I mentioned earlier, each lens has a purpose and they all give you a different perspective. If, if you say, if, okay, so to make, well, it I'll rephrase, you, I'll rephrase that. I'll rephrase that for that, for that reason. <laughs> what, what do you, what, what's your, what lens do you like? for cosplay what's your cosplay lens your go-to my cos- cosplay lens my, my cosplay go-to lens is an 85 14 wow okay yeah 85 14 mostly shooting at 14 or 22 if okay. it were to shoot conventions so there's two parts of the convention there's the show floor and then there's the main stage if i'm shooting the show floor i actually prefer to shoot with the 1424 because what you're doing is you're painting a larger picture so that, remember, your purpose as an event photographer is to take an image to make the person who's not there want to be there. That's right. So you have to show them a very large, spacious, but crowded area with lots of options to make them regret not being there. And that's where the 14 to 24 comes into play. Now, when it's the main stage, you have to have a 70 to, two, uh, 70 to 200 so you can zoom in close to the actors or the guests that are on the stage so you can uh, isolate them. But at the same exact time, still with the 70, take a couple steps back and then still fit the entire um, guest list that's on the stage. That's what's up. Uh, what's your favorite event to cover? <clears throat> uh, uh... <laughs> Ace Comic Con for sure. Okay. What are, who is a cosplayer that people may not be aware of or know about that they should, that they should check out? Hmm. Cosplayer. I haven't shot cosplay in a while, so it's kind of difficult okay. to come up with a name. Um, cause I just haven't keep, been keeping track of it, but there's so many talented cosplayers out there that, that do some amazing things. Um, Hmm. That one I I can't say I have an answer with because I okay. just, I haven't really been in the scene as much. Okay. As well, I, who was your favorite cosplayer to shoot? Uh, I'm hitting you with the curveballs today. <laughs> yeah, favorite to shoot. You know, it it varies. It really, really personal favorites is friends of mine and value. Yeah. Oh man, it's all good. If you, I if, can't say, yeah, I can't say a single one. Each shoot always brought about a, a great experience. Gotcha. Like, like one of my, you mentioned one of my shots earlier, the Frank Miller band, Kelly, and the with the um, Alex Ross type shot. 
you know, Mark, who, who cosplays as the Batman, very good friend of mine. So I, I definitely enjoy shooting with him. Then I have uh, Trevor Ray, who's my Spider-Man, who we've shot our iconic Spider-Man shot where he it looks like he's swinging through New York City. Then I have my good friend Patrick Skye, who does so many different cosplays. And we've produced some great images together. So it, it's hard to say that I have a single favorite cosplayer to shoot with because with each again with each shoot there's always been a great memory that's always with it where i wouldn't trade those for the world gotcha so the the best camera they always say is the one you have on you i'm sure you have a a decent phone on you what do you what do you pull what do you shoot with if you have to pull your 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 phone out what phone are you using uh i have uh what is my my iphone my iphone i think is the eight plus okay but I very rarely take photos with it because my cameras are with me every day. Really? Every day. Wow, that's that's tremendous, man. Sometimes, you know, and, and especially with that, like they say, you know, the best camera is the one you have on you. Like, I don't I don't take my camera with me because I I have like certain lenses and stuff. But mm-hmm. my, my phone obviously always with me. And now, you know, I had a my my youngest daughter, my young daughter. So it's like, you know, the, you got to no time to throw that that 50 millimeter on. You got to just grab the, the phone and, and, and hit that shutter quick. No, no. Believe it or not, at one point I was carrying my main camera bag with my D810 with the holy trinity of lenses in my backpack. Oh, my God. <laughs> every, yeah. So we're talking 40, 50 pounds on my back every single day. Wow. But now I carry uh, the reason why I got the Fuji X-T2 was so it could be my everyday camera small mirrorless camera then i have a 28 millimeter pancake lens on it or i carry the 16 millimeter where it's very light compact and it doesn't you know wear me down but yeah i always have i always have a camera on me because i it's just they're your tools yeah cell phones are good they do take great shots but they're still limited in the sense of what a dslr or a mirrorless camera could do it's i mean yeah, there's apps that allow you to do like a pro cam feature that lets you shoot raw, but you're at a fixed focal length, but not just a fixed focal length. You're at a fixed, um, uh, a fixed sharpness as well. You know, you, 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 you can't select your, your focus point in a sense in some instances. So yeah, I, my camera's always with me. Um, obviously you, you had mentioned that you edit in Lightroom. Are you a, uh, a Mac editor or a PC editor? Oh, Mac. What the hell with PC? <laughs> I'm I I I'm I've been an Apple fanboy ever since the the iPhone one came out. Wow, that's what's up, yeah, man. I, yeah, I can't I can't stand PCs. I mean, who who loves the blue screen of death? You know, <laughs> <clears throat> like people who sit there and say, "Oh, well, yeah, you pay more for Macs for nothing." I'm like, no, actually, you're paying more for Macs for reliability and for service. You know, you know like one there. You know, what makes Apple so great is that they their operating system is a closed system. It's not open. You're not allowed to make many changes to it. Therefore, you're not introducing uh, uh, software issues. You know, you're not. And then also, not until recently, many viruses were not programmed for Macs. They were all programmed for PCs. And are you are you editing on a laptop or a desktop like an iMac? Uh, Both. Okay. so. Obviously, you know, this question we is people always have a lot of fun with this. What's an item that you've purchased recently that's less than $100 that's made your life either easier or just more enjoyable? 
hundred dollars that's made my life easier, more enjoyable. Yep. Less than a hundred bucks. My whey protein. That's what's up. Because it's made my life better in the sense where it's helped me build that muscle mass. And when I look in the mirror, I feel fucking better. That's what's up, man. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's and that's the optimum way, right? Yeah, that's the optimum way. Uh-huh. All right. Um obviously yeah, being immer- immersed in, in gaming culture, um, what's the last video game you played? I only played two games, Gears of War and Street Fighter. Man, after my own heart, Street Fighter has been my crack forever. I think I own every version pretty much. Like, actually, before we, we got on, I was playing, well, I only play Street Fighter if my character's in the game, and my favorite character is Fei Long. Nice. So, Fei, so if Fei Long's not in the game, I will not play Street Fighter. That's what's up, man. That's that's real. That's real ride or die, right there. Yeah, no, because I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan, so I will only play Street Fighter if it's he's in the game. If he's not in the game, I just don't care for the game at all. It's just it's I only own Street Fighter games that outside of Street Fighter Two and Turbo and stuff like that. Every other game that came out afterwards, so like Street Fighter Alpha Three has Fei Long. I have that. Right. Street Fighter Four Vanilla, I have that. Super Ultra, all those, I have that. If he's not in it, I don't care for it. That's what's up. Speaking of Bruce <clears throat> Lee, have you have you checked out the uh, the show Warrior that's based on his short stories on I Cinemax? Have, you know, well, actually, I don't look at TV anymore. I have not looked at TV in over a year and a half. Wow. Because once prior to the working out, everything with that was just photography based. Gotcha. <clears throat> so once I work. Um, if I wasn't shooting an event, I'm shooting something daily. I'm coming home. I'm working on images. I'm studying the images or studying how to work on something that has to do with the images or new techniques and so on and so forth. So I really do not look at TV. If I catch anything, it's probably like on Netflix or something like that. Gotcha. So if they have it, yeah, if they have it like on a streaming service where I can catch it later, I'll probably do that. But otherwise, I the only the only show that I ha- can say I watched live in the past two years was Game of Thrones. That's what's up. Favorite favorite DC character? Superman. That's what's up. If you could have if you could have dinner with anyone alive or dead, who would it be and what would you talk about? Bruce Lee. That's what's up. Nice. I had a feeling we that was going to be it. Yep. If it were if it were not Bruce Lee, it would be Griffey, but absolutely it would be Bruce Lee to speak about his philosophies and how he was more about uniting everyone together mm-hmm. instead of set uh separating them that's it i think i think that was one of the things that was that made him such a beloved person that he he didn't keep any of his secrets he tried to give them to the world as much as possible Mm -hmm. and and that's what caused him so much turmoil early in his life because he wanted to teach his ways and the old mentality back then was that we don't show the westerners our skills that's right and one of his best praise on one of his best interviews is uh they asked him if uh, he believes in a religion. He says, no, I don't believe in religion. I believe in that we are all one people. You know, you are my brother, you are my sister. And that really resonated with me because I'm a, I'm in a sense a non-believer. You know, I feel we are all one in one way. I don't feel we should allow a, a spiritual being who may not even actually be real to define who we are as people and and separate us from what we are in a sense that's you know, a hell of a way to put it and also uh, this, another thing that i have a problem with religion is it's also to if you've ever seen the book of eli it's a very powerful statement 100 percent with denzel washington 
Yes, there's a very powerful um, a line by, um, what's his name? Plays Commissioner Gordon. Oh, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, yes. So the guy goes to him and says, what's so important about this book? Why do we need this book? And he said, it's not a book. It's a weapon. It's a weapon to control them. And that's, in a sense, what the Bible is. It controls people who are weaker than others. And it reminds me of this lesson that my social study teacher told me where he said during the time of the great um, kings of Egypt and stuff where they had all these slaves and they were building the pyramids, you know, if the slaves didn't want to work, they were executed. One point, all the slaves decided that they didn't care anymore because they knew where they were going to die upon the completion of the pyramid anyway. So they just stopped working. And the kings, with being how they were so vain and they wanted to have these large pyramids, they said, well, we keep killing them. We're not going to have no one to finish these pyramids. What can we do? So he gathered all his great scholars together and they all started devising plans. And then one day, one of them came up with the idea. So let's give them hope that there will be a savior that will oh, come man. and save them and help them. So now when we tell these slaves this story about hope, it would, the, it would then get them to work hard again because they feel they'll be saved by someone and then they'll complete your pyramids. And that's what the premise of the Bible is, is hope that there's something else greater and beautiful at the end. But in actuality, mankind's been in existence for how long? And we've kept hearing about this, you know, doomsday and the great coming and everything happening yep. all over again. I'm sorry, it's not happening. And one thing that's always omitted from the We're Bible here. Yep. is dinosaurs. But right. yet we know they existed because we found their fossils, but they're not in the Bible. And right. the reason why that is is because during the time of the creation of this great book, they were unaware of these creatures that lived before us. But I don't want to keep going any further than that to upset people. <laughs> That's, I, we, we definitely got a lot of stuff we could go into, man. Um, la- last question, of course. Obviously, now that you've been focusing on on yourself and and focusing on new challenges, where would you like where we, where do you see yourself a year from now? Hmm. I haven't jumped on the scale yet to see what my weight is, but I definitely say um, I definitely would like to be really toned out a year from now, like really like maybe have maybe 10 percent body fat or less in a sense. Like I have a, a good friend of mine. Um, his uh, his Instagram name is uh, amazing something. But uh, to me, he's Eddie. He I have actually I have a um so if you go to my Instagram I have a male boudoir shoot with him and I feel he's a great uh physical specimen of what the human body looks like and the, which is why when um we were at Katsukon I said dude I want to shoot you almost nude you just covered your you know your twigs and berries but you worked out so hard that your body looks amazing and I wish I could have that and I remember when I started working out I kept saying to myself oh I don't want to get to that point I don't want to get to that point. And now that I got to the point that I'm at now, I was actually talking to him. I'm like, dude, I want to get to your point because I believe I can get to it. That's Where it. in the beginning, I thought I couldn't. And then he and he's congratulating me. So that's the mentality I'm talking about. And the whole time he was very encouraging through this whole process where he even shared my story today. Like he saw my before and afters and he told me, he said, listen, man, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And when he saw the progress, he said, dude, I can't believe how he he told me he said you you are in better shape than most people I work with who've been in the gym longer than you have and it shows because the level of commitment you have so I definitely say I want to be a better physical specimen 
a year from now. So I could sit there and say, well, there is no excuses. I'm over 40, you know, over 40. You know, I have the same issues you have. I, I have, uh, you know, a child, you know, I have a job, but I dedicated myself to show that it is possible to get this done. That's what's up. All right. That, that wraps up the Hasi and obviously the last, the last portion of the interview, reach one, teach one. I, you know, you've given us so many gems this, this episode. Um, I'm going to keep it real, real simple. Uh, somebody, somebody that wants to get into photography and actually we're going to do a two parter because there's two mm-hmm. separate facets of this for, for someone who's starting out that wants, that wants to get into photography. What's one piece of actionable advice you have for them? Study. Just like in all things in life, we go to school, we study, and we learn. Study and learn and respect it. because, And also do it because you love it. And that will make you a better overall photographer. And I, and I always I tell this to every single person who asks, asks that same question. I say, learn the fundamentals of photography, which is basically, it's called the triangle. Your ISO, your shutter speed, and your aperture. Each one controls each other. You master that, then photography will become easy for you. Respect it and love it so that you're not doing it for fame and fortune. You're doing it because it's a passion and fame and fortune will follow because your passion for speak through your images and therefore people will take notice of it. That's what's up. And of of, of course, with, with this incredible fitness journey that you've been on and that you're still on, so to speak, um, for someone that's looking to just be, that's in the same boat you are, what's one piece of advice you'd give them to get started? Believe in yourself, even though when you feel it, you, it's it's most difficult. Believe in yourself. Take any hurt, any doubt, any pity you have on yourself, and use that as fuel to push yourself. Build fake animosity. Build rivalries, which is what I did, and that comes from a sporting background. You use things to motivate you to get over that hurdle you know if, if you want to be uh, evil about it sit there and, and say you know all right you had an example like me my ex left me so what do i do i say okay i'm gonna work hard to prove her wrong to show her she made a mistake by not giving me another chance or when she gets with the next person he's not going to look as good as me so she's still going to be eating her heart out and then I'm going to get someone better than her so she could feel it. It's just, it's using anything as motivation to better yourself. But then as you're going along through that path, that negativity that you have will eventually go away because you'll start seeing results and you're no longer doing it for the wrong reasons. You'll start doing it for the right reasons. And then, then you'll start excelling because of it. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a hell of a way to wrap things up. Um, Jason, I want to thank you for sharing the toys and tech of your trade. Oh, you're welcome. You have a good one. That wraps up our conversation with Jason LeBoy. To find out more about Jason and to keep up with his work, we're going to include links to his website and social media accounts in the show notes for this episode. As always, links to all the gadgets, gear, and tech that were discussed in this episode will be in the show notes. Full disclosure, as always, some of these items may contain affiliate links, which if you click and use, we will receive a small commission. So we invite you to do that. Helps us out, costs you nothing, and allows us to give you guys just better content across all our different platforms. So if you use those links, we truly, truly appreciate it. 
Before we wrap things up, once again, a reminder, we are back to our bi-weekly release schedule. Uh, we got lots of great guests on deck for August and September. We can't wait to share those conversations with you guys. And as I mentioned before, Rageworks will be turning five on August 18th, and we will be launching the new Rageworks 5.0 site, as well as the Rageworks podcast network. To keep up with those developments and just to keep up with what we're doing, uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. All the usual places, of course, links to those social media accounts will be in the show notes for this episode. And as always, to keep up with everything that we cover, visit us at rageworks.net. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Peace. to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. Hey, I'm Kayla. As a mom working from home, life is crazier than ever, especially on days like these. But I'm still ruling my day thanks to Metro. 
Metro gave me an awesome phone and tablet. Now my son can get his homework done on the tablet without needing to borrow my laptop. Plus, with Metro, Amazon Prime is included, so I can access great deals and discounts on school essentials and get them delivered in no time with unlimited free shipping, all while keeping an eye on my son to make sure he finishes his online practice tests before he starts watching his favorite Amazon originals. Right now, get a new phone and tablet on us when you switch to Metro, the number one brand in prepaid. Plus, enjoy high-speed data on both devices with one Amazon Prime membership included for just $75 a month. Metro by T-Mobile, rule your day. I'm Kayla, and that's how I rule my day with Metro. With new lines of service after rebate redemption plus sales tax and activation fee. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members on select rate plans. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 a month cost. Restrictions apply.